All right, everybody. It is another episode of our Locked On Summer Road Trip. This time, we are meeting up in Los Angeles with a team that a lot of people, myself included, think are going to give a lot of teams fits this year, and that is the Los Angeles Kings. Eddie Garcia from Los from Locked On LA Kings joins us for a new episode of Locked On Avalanche coming at you right now. Your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome to the Locked On Avalanche Podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host from Locked On Avalanche, Chris Maselli. With me as always, Mr. Shaggy Von Doom, Kyle Sullivan. And like we said in the open, Mr. Eddie Garcia from Locked On Los Angeles Kings is joining us as well for our summer crossover road trip series. First time Eddie's uh, done this with us. Thank you very much for joining today, sir. Yeah, my pleasure. Gra- uh, glad to be on with you guys. Looking forward to it. And uh, of course, uh, Avs Kings opening up the season. Yes, they so are. So I'll be excited about that as well. So I think we might have another crossover relatively soon just to focus in on that. Yeah. Uh, but first things first, thanks for everybody for tuning in and making it your first listen of the day. Always appreciated. Um, Eddie, we want to get to obviously a lot of King stuff, but the Avs did make a pretty big signing for themselves uh, earlier in the day. And that is Tomas Tatar signs a one-year, $1.5 million uh, contract. Um, I didn't really see this coming. You heard a lot of what he was looking at was East Coast. And then this is why just fluky things can happen. I didn't really think he was on the Avs' radar. Uh, They bring him in, just shore up even more so that middle six slot that he can slide into uh kyle i want to get your impressions on the signing right he's all right eddie you might not know this <laughs> kyle's other team air quotes is the devils he he, he is his east coast team is the devils so right. he's already smiling i probably don't even need to get his take on this but i will anyway go ahead kyle my dream of the colorado devil <laughs> is getting closer and closer with miles wood and now we bring on Sitar. now for everybody that is not like really up to what his production was last year in New Jersey, like you remember Erod and everything that we lost with Evan Rodriguez, you're you're mm-hmm. getting a lot of the same makeup in Tatar what he's going to bring. And I mean, one year, one point five million dollars. Who's that hurting? No one said the crowd. It's <laughs> it it's a really good pickup, and this is exactly what you need. We were talking. The everydayers know we were talking before the season, like leading up to the season. We're still curious about Ryan Johansson, what that injury looks like going into this year. Miles Wood, what he's looking at. Like you're bringing in all these new names, but they also have an injury history. Tatar played all 82 games last year. That's one year, $1.5 million for 82 games. That sounds perfect for the Avalanche. Yes. I absolutely love that. that. That that in and of itself is great uh, for from the Avalanche perspective. But uh, from an outsider's perspective, Eddie, what, what do you think? I mean, because we'll get into expectations for for the Kings, which are right up there. You know, almost kind of where where the Avalanche are. They're expected to 
to perform this year like they did last year. So, like, from, uh, you know, a a team that's competing like the Avalanche are, from that perspective, um, what what, what does this move mean? Like, are you looking at this, Eddie, and like, oh, great, that's just, you know, more firepower that the Avalanche have and more that we have to deal with whenever we meet up with them? Pretty much. um, Certainly uh, a veteran guy who's been there, done that, reliable, as you said, played all 82 games last year. You get him on a one-year deal at a very reasonable number. Uh, You know, at the very least, he's some great depth. Uh, He could play, I mean, if he has to, I suppose he could play on your second line, be okay. Mm -hmm. But third, fourth line guy, Thomas Tatar, that's that's great. That's great depth. And uh, yeah, I got to assume uh, that he wanted, you know, as a a guy who's winding down his career, looking to join a cup contender. uh, I'm sure had he gotten a better offer from a lesser team, you probably got to take it. But uh, that wasn't the option. So then you go for, okay, if I've got to p- play for a million or a million and a half, let's go to a place where I can win a cup. And that's clearly Colorado. So I think it's a good signing for the abs and yeah. pretty good, pretty good place for Thomas Tatar to play. And you saw it on a lot on social media. It was a year to the day that they signed Evan Rodriguez. Um, so it seems like September 12th is, is the day where, the abs kind of dip into the the free agency pool of, of guys that are just left over and bring in a solid player for a low amount. <clears throat> and a lot of people were not happy that Evan Rodriguez, they let him go. Um, and he signed for that deal with, with, with Florida. And, you know, a lot of people are just like the immediacy. It's like, you didn't, you didn't bring uh, Evan Rodriguez back. What are you going to do to fill that void? Um, and it didn't happen immediately. So just this is the patience of the avalanche. They go out, they're methodical about what they want to do, and it, they, they were able to, to sway him to come come west. And I think it's it just shows like the, how the avalanche operate. Um, and there's just no panic in them. And they'll find a guy that they want at the right number. They're not going to overpay for anybody. Um, it, I shouldn't say they're not going to overpay for anybody, but they're not going to overpay for you know someone in, 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 that fills a need that Tatar can do. You seem like you're gonna say something, Kyle. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, and hindsight's twenty twenty. Looking back on the Erod thing, what he provided is what we ex- kind of anticipated and hoped for. Tatar almost had fifty points last year, and like Eddie was saying, like on the third mm-hmm. line, a million and a half for almost fifty points. Sign me up! Like this is going <laughs> yeah, to be yeah. a really good, less predicting and hoping. This is a plug and play Tatar, and he's got camaraderie with Miles Wood, so it's it's good all the way around, and you're not really doing the Jonathan Drouin, like, I hope he could perform too, like you did with Erod when he started. This is a really good pickup for the Avalanche. Love it. Love it. Um, All right. So why don't don't we uh, take our first quick break here, and then we will dive into uh, all things Kings with Eddie Garcia from Locked on Kings. But first, we're going to hear from a brand new sponsor that is Jace Medical and their Jace case. So everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple, and they handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medications delivering an ongoing consultation and care. 
don't get caught unprepared. So save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. And use that promo code locked on. All right, Eddie, uh, let's focus in on your Los Angeles Kings here. So uh, pretty eventful offseason for them so far this year. What, what are some things that you've liked that they have done heading into this season? Well, I've liked most of what they've done. Uh, not a lot of complaints, although going into the offseason, I really did not see them adding a second line center. I uh, thought that they mm. were pretty uh, well set with Andre Kobitar on the top line and Philip Deneau on the second line. Uh, looked at their two priorities as re-signing Vladislav Gavrikov on the left side on the second pairing defensively or finding a replacement for him if they couldn't re-sign him and upgrading in net. Um, and yeah. they did one of those things. They maybe did the other thing, but they decided that, you know, I think they felt like Vegas isn't going anywhere. You're defending Stanley Cup champs. Edmonton has beaten us two years in a row in the playoffs and you've got McDavid and you've got Dreisaitl. So we need to go out and do something bold to really bolster the middle of our lineup and make ourselves as deep as possible at the center position. And lo and behold, they decided let's go get Pierre-Luc Dubois from the Winnipeg Jets. Now they gave up three players off their roster to get him. Um, so it was a steep price and a second round pick as well. Um, but they feel like this is a guy who is going to slot in at the number two center position slide Deneau down to the third center, make them very strong down the middle. And then as Andre Kopitar, he's still very productive. Matter of fact, he led the team in points again last year. Um, but he's obviously winding down his career. He just signed a two-year extension for two more years after this season. But that might be it for him. We're not sure. Uh, and then you've got his heir apparent in Pierre-Luc Dubois to move into that number one center position. So uh, a good signing now and for the future for the LA Kings. He does come with a little bit of baggage and a little bit of a reputation, but looking into it, um, his numbers have not been affected. If he's been an unhappy camper, uh, you know, where he's been in Columbus and Winnipeg, he still produces. So I guess the theory would be now he's got the big payday. He's playing arguably on the best team he's ever played on. So if he's not going to play better than he ever has before now, maybe he never will. But <laughs> it was a little bit of a gamble, but I thought GM Rob Blake, who you guys uh, have a connection with with the Avalanche. Love him. Uh, I love that he was bold. I love that he did, wasn't willing to just say, you know what, we'll just roll out the same team again and hope for a different result. Well, whether it pays off or not, whether the goaltending is going to be strong enough or not remains to be seen. But I, I do like the, the move to get Pierre-Luc Dubois and do something really proactive. Sure. Yeah, and that was going to be my question. And that's the big concern in L.A. is that goalie position. And yeah. With this move of PLD to the Kings, is this just kind of a commitment to we're going to win game six to five, seven to six? Like you're going to outscore them, but you with that the decor that the, the Kings have, is that going to be enough to hold up and bolster that goalie position going through the season? And is that going to be something they possibly address at the trade deadline? Well, the trade deadline is interesting. Obviously, they're going to have to see how it goes during the regular season. But for right now, I think they feel like they are strong enough as a defensive team, and in particular, their top four, uh, the top two pairings of Mikey Anderson, Drew Doughty, Vladislav Gavrikov, and Matt Roy are strong enough that they can. I mean, we kind of saw it last year with Phoenix Copley coming out of nowhere, a career AHL guy, really, 
and they put him in net. And I think he was second or third in the NHL in winning percentage. Now his goals against and his save percentage weren't great, but when you had uh, Cal Peterson and, and Jonathan Quick in there earlier in the season, they weren't stopping the pucks that needed to be stopped. Copley was. Now he wasn't making any spectacular saves, but if he saw it, he was going to stop it. And with the defense played in front of him, it ended up being good enough for them to have the second most wins and the second most points in their franchise's history. So mm. you go out and you get Cam Talbot, who two years ago was really good in Minnesota, not so good last year in Ottawa. Of course, they weren't a very good team. Uh, he's 36 years old, so it's it's certainly a bit of a gamble, but he's on a one-year deal, so a prove-it deal for him. And I think they feel like the tandem of of, of Talbot and Copley, who's, who are going to share the net, and a lot of teams you know, in the new NHL, you're looking for two goalies, not just one. I think right. uh, Andre Vasilevsky's and Igor Shosturkin's of the world are kind of few and far between at this point. So you're seeing a lot of sharing of the net going on around the NHL. I think they feel confident with the defense they have in place that those guys can get it done. If they if they can't get it done, if it's if it's a bit shaky going to the deadline, then you could certainly see them trying to make a move. And do they have more moves to make this offseason? I'm just looking at their cap friendly. Um, I mean, it seems like they're right up against the cap. Yeah, uh, just about a hundred thousand dollars and change uh, left in cap space. Uh, as far as the roster, this is twenty-one out of twenty-three players signed. Do, do they need a couple more guys? Are you just going to bring up some prospects? Like, what's what's the, what's the finishing moves to kind of round out this this roster? No, I think they're set. And it's interesting that Rob Blake, you talked about how the Avalanche, you know, looking to add somebody late uh, to, to tinker with yeah. the roster. He his. His track record, he's shown he likes to get things done very early and get it settled and kind of out of the way, whether it's a move at the deadline or, you know, making a signing in free agency, uh, re-signing, you know, your RFAs. He does it really early and gets things set and gets it done with. So it's very rare for him to make an ad late in the offseason. So they're set. Uh, they know what, okay. what they're doing. Uh, they're getting a jump on things a little bit early because they're going to Australia for two preseason yeah. games against the Coyotes. So they're getting the group together this week and heading uh, down under for a couple of uh, interesting hockey games down there. Talk about that. Uh, I mean, that, yeah. that's NHL's never been there before in this capacity. Uh, is, is, is there excitement around this? I mean, it is preseason games, right? So, I mean, yeah. is, is there still, you know, that it is just different and we're, we're part of it? Or is it just kind of eh, it's preseason but kind of a cool venue yeah i mean it's it's a novelty um right. it's cool that the you know the nhl has decided that the kings are worthy enough to be a part of some history for them first game ever ever in the southern hemisphere for the <laughs> nhl i'm glad I, I know they are playing some regular season games and i know the abs have been a part of these recently yeah. over in finland and, and sweden yeah. things like that um i'm not a big fan of regular season games uh in those situations Preseason games, fine. I have no problem with that. But, you know, how it affects the schedule and just things like that. Um, I get it. But, you know, just as long as if you're going to play these preseason games, I understand doing it with the, the thinking that we're going to play some of our stars, right? It's a preseason game, but we're going to give the folks in wherever we're going to go a look at the top flight players that we have. And the Kings are going to do that. They're taking all the stars over there. Um, so I think it's it's a novelty. It's a neat thing to be a part of. Um, I believe the games are going to be on the NHL network. So you can watch that uh, and, you know, some of the preseason broadcasts. I don't know how it is uh, in Colorado, but in LA, it's mm -hmm. a little bit, you know, spotty here and there, but no, I think it's cool to be a part of. They've, they've done a few of these before they went to China for some preseason games a few years back. Mm -hmm. uh, several years ago, they played two regular season games, the home openers in London, which I was not a fan of, but mm -hmm. uh, it's, it is cool to be you know a part of this kind of a thing to hopefully grow the game. And, Coupling off what Chris was asking about the uh, 
the Australian games, you are also going to be on NHL Network's Behind the Glass, the the Hard Knocks equivalent for the NHL. That's going to highlight the Australian games, the training camp, the Kings in general. They are the team. And you're also opening your season against the Colorado Avalanche on TNT. What is the hype level for Los Angeles Kings fans with all the moves that we've talked about, all of these, the Australian games, Mm. opening up the season on national television? What's the hype level for Kings fans right now? Well, I think there's optimism, uh, but I also think that there's a real feeling, not just in the fan base, but I think in the organization that this year, even though they've made the playoffs two years in a row and there's a level of success there as they were coming out of a rebuild, it's time to take the next step. And mm-hmm. their head coach, Todd McClellan, it does not have a contract extension going into this year. And I told you Rob Blake yeah. likes to get things done early. I think, you know, I know we had uh, um, uh, Keith, it was a Keith in, uh, not Keith, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name, the Toronto coach. Um, uh, the Maple Leafs, just Sheldon Keith. Sheldon, they yeah, just yeah. signed him to an extension not long <laughs> yeah. ago. I was surprised by that because you've got a new GM coming in. He hasn't yeah. worked with this guy before, but Toronto's got the money to spend. If they if it goes south, they can always <laughs> fire him. And but I think for the Kings, I think Rob Blake is sending the message to Tom McCullen. We want results this year, or we're going to find somebody else who's going to get him. And that was a guy that that Rob Blake played for in San Jose. That was his hire. So it's uh, you know he certainly wants it to work out. And I, I think a lot of people do like Todd McCullen some of the things he's done over his career, but I think he's, he's coaching for his job this year. So he's going to be very hmm. motivated to get it done. And it's just not good enough to be in the playoffs anymore. They want results. They want to get out of the first round at least. And if you look at the Pacific, it's very likely they're going to match up against either Vegas or Colorado, or uh, sorry, Vegas or Edmonton in the first round. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be easy. So it's, it's a big season. There's high expectations, but I think if we don't see, uh, some playoff success this season. I think the Kings are looking for a new coach after this year. Well, I was going to ask, like, what gets him an extension? What, 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 what do they need? How far do they need to go for them to be comfortable thinking, like, okay, that was an improvement, and we can continue to improve under him? I, I definitely, the minimum is getting out of the first round. Um, now, it's possible under certain circumstances, if they match up against Edmonton or Vegas, it goes seven. Every game's a war, and yeah. you know, maybe there's some overtime. Maybe they see enough and they think, you know what, that's just uh, hockey luck, unfortunately, in the matchups we're getting possible. But I, I think, like I said, I think the bar is get out of the first round. We, we want, we, we're investing in this team. We're going out and getting Pierre-Luc Dubois. We're going out and getting Victor Arvidsson and Philip Deneau. We're going out and getting Kevin Fiala in the offseason. We're paying money for players. We're up against the cap. If you can't get it done, we're going to find somebody else. Hmm. And we're, we're talking about the coaching position from the top down. What is the team? Is this one of those that the team believes in this direction and where they're going? Or are they also they're going to be okay if they do decide to part ways and have a fresh face in that locker room? I mean, you look at this team and you've got Andre Kopitar, you've got Drew Doughty, a couple of guys who've won two Stanley Cups. They did bring Trevor Lewis back, a depth guy who won a couple of cups with them. Uh, so they, you know, got one of the old band members back together. Uh, which was great for nostalgia, but he should help mm-hmm. out, you know, fourth line penalty kill kind of a guy. But uh, I, I think, you know, those guys have a, a very uh, passion to get back to where they once were before they end up calling it a career. Like I said, Kopitar's closer to the end than Drew Doughty. Doughty still got a few more seasons, but uh, you know, it's, I think they're ready. I think they're ready to take the next step. I think they're tired of losing to the Oilers in the first round. Is that, yeah. you, know, you know, we talk about uh, rivalries being built in the postseason. Uh, there's, there's, a, it's obviously brewing right now, uh, a hatred for, uh, for Edmonton and, 
Uh, you know, McDavid and Drysdale are unbelievable, and they were insane in that first round playoff series, especially Drysdale this year yeah. on the power play. He was unstoppable. So, um, but at some point, like I said, if you're going to continue to upgrade the roster with with marquee players, then you've got to see results at some point. So, so I, I, I I think the players are ready uh, to take the next step. We'll see if Tom McClellan's the man to get him to take that next step. I mean, you almost you're almost making those moves with like Edmonton in mind. Are you not like, I think the Pierre just, Dubois move is absolutely with Edmonton in mind. You can't, yeah. you can't escape that fact. Yeah. So yeah, you kind of have to go about your business with them in the back of your mind. So, um, we know about all the signings. Um, I, I kind of, there's a couple other things I want to get to, uh, with you, Eddie. And one is definitely the, the prospects because when the, when the Kings were, uh, not doing so well and you, I, I kept hearing that, you know, that, that the, the Kings are kind of revamping and retooling the way that the Avalanche did, kind of similar in, in that capacity. So I do want to talk about uh, the prospects. So we're going to talk to Eddie about uh, who's down the pike for the Los Angeles Kings as far as prospects. We'll do that next. All right. So uh, welcome back. And, yeah, the last thing they want to get to with Eddie, before we get to those prospects – was an article I read on The Athletic, and this was, I think, like a year or two ago, about how a lot of teams are really revamping like their practice facilities and how that's a big get for a lot of free agents. Like when they're trying to like woo in a free agent, they'll show them like the, you know, the biggest and brightest and the, the newest and the, the most technologically sound like new practice facilities. They specifically mentioned Rob Blake and the Kings. And they said when he got there, that was like his first order of operation was redo all of this. Um, is that all done? Like, I don't know if, if it was like what that undertaking was of, of did they tear everything down and build it back up? Or did they just keep the practice facilities that they had and remodel them? I'm fascinated by this stuff because I love that behind the scenes type of stuff to get in people like free agents and and sign them and how far things like that go um can you speak to that have you been there have you seen them firsthand what's what did they change about them that free agents would be like oh i, I remember that when i went to visit la well they they've uh basically they didn't build a new practice facility they just okay. uh, kind of refurbished uh the facility they have now uh something they've done that's very interesting that a lot of other teams don't have the luxury of is that they have their AHL team playing and practicing in the same facility. They mentioned that, that yes. the Kings do. Yep. So there's literally uh, you've got the Kings practicing here and then they've got the, the, the AHL team practicing right next to them. You just walk across the hallway. If you need to talk to any of the coaches or anything like that, there's a lot of synergy going on between the coaching staffs. Uh, Marco Sturm was on the Kings staff. They uh, sent him down to coach the AHL team, if you will, this past season. So he's a guy who's obviously putting in the same type of systems that they have at the NHL level in the AHL. So there's hopefully a seamless transition and guys get called up. They understand the same terminology and the same roles and things like that. So I think that is probably what Rob Blake was really talking about. Just having a mm -hmm. real connection from the organization up and down from your AHL team to your NHL team, you know, and, and the, uh, the players, they live in LA and they bust to the games in Ontario, which is out in the desert here. Uh, in mm. in Southern California, so they're right there with all the uh, the LA Kings players. They know each other. They might even live close to each other. Uh, so there's there is that kind of synergy going on within the organization. Really cool, really cool. So 
Uh, did you want to say something, Kyle? Because we're looking at the prospects. No, I, and yeah. I, hearing all that, and that I remember that athletic article, and the Kings currently have four former Avs. Mm-hmm. They have England, TJ Tynan, Kevin Cottenham, and Mikel Maltsev. And mm-hmm. they're going, and they have this new, revamped, refurbished training facility. I sure hope they don't message their former abs teammates is like look at what we got we're, we're playing in a chuck e cheese as our practice facility oh, terrible. So. yeah it's bad um let's talk about some of those prospects because like i said you know before we let into this segment that uh i did hear that a few times that the kings were i'm not saying they're, they were looking at the avalanche at this point in time you know four or five years ago um and looking directly at the avalanche but it's a copycat league right when when teams are winning the teams that are not winning look at that and say, hey, what can we mimic from them? Um, and you heard a lot about the Kings retooling, you know, with, with their prospects and things like that. Where does that stand now? How, how are, are, are there prospects waiting in the wings just to take that next step? Um, who are they? What can we expect to see? Are there some that this year that are, might, might surprise some people? Uh, well, the Kings, when they were in their rebuild, did a very good job of, of drafting and cultivating prospects and, and getting pieces for their rebuild. Um, and some of them have definitely been used to be traded away and bringing in more established players uh, like uh, Brock Faber, for example, who was shipped mm-hmm. off to Minnesota in the Kevin Fiala deal, who was a really good uh, defensive prospect for the Kings and probably is going to play some significant time for the Wild this year. Uh, but they've kind of depleted that a little bit. And uh, I think that that's part of the process of you going through a rebuild and developing a team that you think is going to be a team that can be successful in the postseason. So they've, they've paid the price. They did a good job getting talent, but now they've used some of those pieces to bring in more established players. Um, there is still one really big prospect for the Kings who is going to make his NHL, not debut. He did play nine games. He had the nine-game audition last year, but that's defenseman Brant Clark. Um, he had uh, a great year last year, uh, in, in junior, he had 61 points in 31 games. That was as an offensive defenseman after winning helping Canada win a gold medal at the world junior. So he's a really dynamic offensive defenseman, uh, going to probably play on the right side on their third pairing to start the season. He's a guy who can run your second power play unit as well. And down the road, I think they're looking at him to be the eventual successor to Drew Doughty, if not sooner. So there's a lot of excitement surrounding him. A couple other younger players, certainly Quentin Byfield is still there. Uh, there's some hand-wringing over him amongst some in the fan base. Certainly yeah. uh, when you see what Tim Stutzla has done in Ottawa and the fact the Kings could have had him instead of Byfield, you can understand that. Um, but Byfield got a lot of really good minutes last year. He played on the top line half the second half of the season with Kopitar and Adrian Kempe, and they played their best hockey with him. Now there's some people who will say, well, they did it in spite of him. And some people say, well, they did it because of him. He helped out on the four check and did a lot of some of the dirty work, which is really not what you think of when you think of a second overall pick. You think of a right. guy who's going to produce, put the puck in the net, you know, rack up points. He really hasn't done that. So the numbers aren't there, but the ice time was there. He just turned 21. Uh, there's still a lot of people who feel like it, it give it still a few more seasons. He's going to eventually turn the corner. He was a big gangly guy when they drafted him. They knew he needed to grow into his body a little bit. He's had some injury and some illness issues. So there are some reasons why he hasn't developed as quickly as maybe they would have liked. But there's still time there, and there's still a lot of people who are optimistic. He can turn into a very solid NHL contributor. It may not be this year, but at some point, we are going to have to start to see the numbers. And one other younger player for the Kings is a guy named Arthur Kaliev, uh, who has a really great NHL shot. He just needs to 
help to play a little bit of defense from time to time because Tom McClellan's going to demand that from him. We saw that with Gabe Velarde last year when he decided to invest a little bit defensively and had some good luck with his health. He suddenly got the ice time he needed to be a NHL producer, and he turned into a really good player and was a, a key piece in the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. So Arthur Kaliev is a guy I think is going to get a lot of minutes this year. I think if he gets those minutes, I think he can replace the production they lost with Gabe Velarde. So um, those would be three key young players for the Kings this season. All right. And aside from Brent Clark, <clears throat> and you you talked about this, the, the King, this Kings team is ready to make the next step. And Chris mentioned earlier what the cap situation looks like in Los Angeles. Let's just say the Kings come out to a hot start and they're right there. Do any of these other prospects not name Brent Clark? Are they going to be part of a package deal to get this team over the hump? Are they committed to this season being the next step? Or are they good with just throwing up their hands and saying this is not the year, keeping those prospects and carrying them into next year? I don't think they're going to be... Uh, all in, there's no cost that's too high to do whatever we need to do. But I do think they're going to try, if they need to, to improve themselves if they think they're in a position to take that next step. They've kind of done that along the way. You know, we've seen them each year add another piece, add another piece, add another piece. So I, I think if they, if it, if, as you said, if they get off to a really great start and it's just clicking and they're like, we're just this one piece away then yeah, I could see them yeah. saying, you know what, whatever is necessary. Because they've said all along, look, we want to be relevant. We want to be a healthy organization. We're not going to just completely bankrupt the team for one year. We want to be good every year. But if there's, if there, we're in it to win the Stanley Cup, that's what we're in it for. We're not just in it to be good or relevant. We were in it to try and win a championship. That's been the message all along. So if they're going to sell that message, then they have to also you know, make the moves when it comes to that point. And I, I think they would, yeah. If, they, if it really gets going well, and they're like, okay, this is a this is this team's legit. We need this one more piece, maybe a net. We got to just strengthen the net. I think they they definitely would go out and do it. All right, so uh, we're gonna hold your feet to the fire now, and you need to uh, make your prediction for this season. I don't know if you've you've done this on your show or not, but um, what is it? What is it gonna be for the Kings this year? We're gonna hold you to this. You can't change your mind later on. Uh, so is it, is it Stanley cup victory for the Los Angeles Kings this year? Uh, I'm going to say that, uh, they will finally break free, uh, from the Edmonton Oilers. I think they get out of the first round. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe a conference finals appearance. I don't know though, in net that they're strong enough to be a Stanley cup yeah. champion this year, uh, unless they make some sort of a move at the deadline to bolster that. But I would say, We'll see the next step, but not the ultimate step yet this year. Okay. Uh, this is the beauty of the NHL, though. Like you, you just you get hot at the right time. Just Florida Panthers. Florida Panthers, exactly. It's ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. They shouldn't even have been in the playoffs. No, no. Thank you, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't. I think the Kings are that team where I think maybe they're getting buried a little bit behind teams like Vegas, that's in, in, in Edmonton, and even you know Colorado. But if they were to make it to a conference final, would not shock me at all. Uh, I think this is a very, very good team. And and I think after this year, it'll be a little bit more on, more on people's radar for, for the you know foreseeable future. So I, I think they're a formidable opponent, opponent as they say. And, and the Avs seem to have trouble with them. Um, you know, it's, it's, no, it's no walk in the park whenever you're playing the Kings. So I, I think they're going to be a, a solid, solid team. So 
we shall we shall see. And uh, you haven't seen the last of us and Eddie. I think we're gonna do this again right before the season starts and get everybody ready for that opening night game in Los Angeles. So, uh, but for now, we're gonna wrap this one up. Eddie, thank you so much for uh, joining us uh, today for this one. So, where can people find you over on uh, social media? Uh, well, it's, uh, at locked on LA Kings. Uh, you know, if they want to follow me for whatever reason, it's at Eddie on Fox. I, if you're an overnight, by the way, if you're a night owl and you're up all night, I do, I'm a part of show, part of a show that's on from 11 PM to 3 AM Pacific time on the Fox sports radio network. Uh, so if you, uh, are a security guard or a truck driver or have one of those <laughs> jobs, come on over and uh, hang out. We have a very fun, uh, crazy show. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, Eddie on Fox uh, on Twitter or whatever they're calling it these days and yeah. at Lock on LA Kings as well. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, he's Eddie Garcia from Locked on Los Angeles Kings. For Mr. Shaggy Von Doom and myself from Locked on Avalanche, thank you, everybody, for tuning in and making it first listen of the day. And uh, we'll check you guys out next week. Go, Abs, Go, Abs, go.